Welcome back to the Shula Bull Podcast. This is Eric Henry. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to do, I, had to, I had to throw in Eric. Eric is usually the one who does the intros. Um, but this is obviously not Eric. This is David Handel. Um, I do appreciate you all tuning in to the Shula Bull Podcast brought to you by Five Reasons Sports. Um, shout out to Ethan Skolnick for giving us this platform. Um yeah, uh, I'm just going to kind of jump right in, Eric. Um, this is a bittersweet moment, a uh, time that I, I've known has been coming for a bit, um, but is obviously now public knowledge uh, the last couple weeks. Um, obviously, uh, our host, I'm going to consider you, I know I am a co-host and producer, but Eric, you have been steering this ship for about four years now, um, whether it was me, you, Shane, or when we had the the big group with Jake and even Andre, um, Eric, our FIU beat writer, our FIU beat writer. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word here um, that just that that can't come to mind, but basically means uh, aficionado or all star stud. Um, you've done a fantastic job, and he is now taking his talents. And this is me again jumping in as a producer here. Uh, Eric has actually technically not announced where he is going. So cut that little part out and we're going to leave it as a cliffhanger. So you're going to have to keep following Eric to find out where he's going next. All right, here we go. Um, So we are obviously going to miss him very dearly here at at the FIU community, but obviously even more so on the Shulable podcast. Um, So Eric, I'm going to hand the floor off to you. Just to you know, talk a little bit about um, you know the move and what you're going to be doing uh, over there. Um, just give a, a little recap on, on you know how these last couple of weeks have been, Eric. I know obviously this the we 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 did intend to talk about the blue and gold game on this on this episode, but obviously uh, we ran into some some weather issues that the game basically had to be canceled. Uh, but you know, I just want to hear from obviously from you, Eric, and and how these last couple of weeks have been and. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, you know, um, you know, obviously talk about different memories on this episode. But, uh, you know, I want to just talk about you know, how these last couple of weeks have been for you. Yeah. Um, you know, first off, I, I appreciate that intro, David. You know, I can't say enough. It's been a honor and a privilege to do this podcast with you, with Shane Marinelli, Jake Elman. Andre Durand, uh, I mean, it just, you know, everyone who's been a part of it, as you said, shout out to Ethan Skolnick for giving us this platform. Uh, Ethan had some nice words for me that we talked, uh, he and I talked privately. So appreciate all of the, uh, all of the love. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, David, it has been a incredible ride the past five and a half years. I, I will try to make this quick. I don't want this to be some, you know, like ode to me by any stretch of imagination. But for, <laughs> we're all gonna, we're all gonna, we're all gonna worship Eric on this episode. I, I yeah, I, I prefer we not, but I appreciate that. Um, no, uh, you know, when I got the the FIU beat, um, you know, like true story. Basically, you know, I got in the job with SB Nation, then I was assigned to Underdog Dynasty, and you know, Cyrus, um, Cyrus Smith, who you know, some fans may be familiar with. Uh, FAU grad basically was like, Hey, look, I got a couple of options for you. You know, I got FIU or uh, you can do UCF, but I would have been like the fourth person from SB nation doing uh, a UCF, you know, cause they, uh, UCF has its own SB nation site and they had a uh, full staff of writers at the time. And I kind of looked at my options. And I was like, huh, 
I think FIU might be the way to go because, you know, and again, shout out to, you know, Walt Villa, who does a, a great job with, you know, the the pieces he puts forth, the Sentinel, Sentinel, the, the, the Herald, sorry, I think in Orlando, the Miami Herald, but there wasn't really a ton of FIU coverage. I just was like, all right, that's where I'm going to go. And um, really, David, I think I said this to you, I said this to your dad when we had a chance to grab dinner the other week. The way I tried to cover FIU was just the way that I would have wanted UCF to be covered when I was a student there, you know, and and, and UCF was the third game in town behind the Seminoles and UF and, you know, <laughs> they, they, they usually fell uh, far behind. Sometimes they were digital only, weren't even in the paper, you know, so I really tried to cover FIU the way that I would have wanted UCF to be covered when I was a student. And uh, yeah, man, it has been an incredible ride. want to just thank everyone who reached out, whether it was on Twitter Facebook, et cetera. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, like I, like I said uh, on various platforms, I am looking forward to watching the program from afar. Um, I, I know I am not a Panther by grad, but I, I definitely, there's a piece of me that definitely will, will always kind of be, you know, following FIU. And, and now that I'm no longer covering the the team, you know, by all means rooting for FIU success. I mean, a lot of great, a lot of great people there, um, you know, in athletics and, 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 you know, fans and one of them had a chance to meet. Um, so I, I want all the success for those people. Um, you know, Mike McIntyre and I, obviously again, I'm not covering now, so I, I can be a little less objective. Um, think he's a great guy. You know, I, I, um, uh, wish the best for him in terms of, you know, things he has to manage with the football program. Obviously a lot of challenges. Uh, we've just seen even from the time post the, uh, the spring showcase, right. That you mentioned was, rained out you know they've lost some players and that's going to be a challenge for coach mack and, and scott and company you know in the years to come but definitely wishing them nothing but the best hope for success for them in that program and and you know i i, I like i said a huge part of me will always um be appreciative because i without the time at fiu this opportunity that I, I i do have which again i can't fully get into but you know uh when the time comes i i can you know provide more details on that um wouldn't have this opportunity without my time at fiu so Again, thank you to everyone who followed the coverage. Thank you to everyone who, you know, had engagement. Uh, it made me a better journalist. As, as I said this in, in, in my Twitter statement, thank you to, you know, Mike McIntyre's entire staff, Scott Carr, uh, Butch Davis, his entire staff, et cetera, you know, because it all made me a, a better journalist in the end. And thank you, David, because it's been a pleasure doing this podcast with you. And, you know, I, I can say I've, I have made, you know, some friends uh, along the way, friends that I, friendships that I hope will continue for a long time. man. so uh, I, I, I guess that's all I got. Absolutely, man. Same, same to you, Eric. Um, you know, just just doing. It's crazy that this has been five years, right? Um, who who would have thought that we would be doing this for five years? Um, and obviously, I consider you a very good friend, Shane, a very good friend as well, Jake and, and Andre. Obviously, I knew Andre before, but um, but yeah, man, this this journey has been pretty awesome. Um, I have you can't really see it, but my my. Uh, my my name is one last ride because uh, there is going to be a shift up, obviously, um, because I'm essentially the last one, the last one standing. <laughs> uh, and even then, I I don't know, um, you know what what what's gonna you know be be ahead for me uh, when it comes to this podcast. I'm I'm, I'm for sure going to be on uh, you know future episodes, but it can look very different at least for this year. Um, obviously I've got, I've got a lot going on this year. Obviously I'm getting married. Um, you know, work is, is, 
is uh, pretty busy, and uh, I am fortunate to be moving up there as well. Um, so, which is all great news. But um, I basically got to figure out where we go with this this podcast. Um, and I definitely want, obviously, want to keep it going um, in some fashion, even if it's um, you know finding completely new uh, host and and just kind of working in the background and jumping in when I can type things. But who knows where it goes from here? But we'll definitely keep you guys updated. In regards to that, um, because this has been, you know, it's been one of my favorite things to do. Um, You know, uh, I I love doing this. You know, we don't, um, you know, we don't, we don't do this. (laughs) We don't do this podcast for the money. Uh, You know, uh, we 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 do this because we we genuinely have a really good time covering both FIU and FAU, and and uh, you know, just getting to 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 talk with with some friends, and and um, you know, it's 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 been it's been a hell of a ride. So. Um, yeah, David, so- David, one, one last thing real quick I want to add uh, before you, you transition. Uh, I've had some people, and again, can't you know echo those sentiments enough, what you just said about the podcast. I've had some people reach out to me and ask who's going to be replacing me. Um, really quick, no one's going to be replacing me from SB Nation. So hopefully, you know, I, I just want to make that, uh, that clear. Uh, SB Nation, those of you maybe familiar with the Underdog Dynasty podcast that we had, uh, that was cut for budgetary reasons. And, you know, they're going through really a time of transition. So no one will be replacing me there. However, I am working, um, trying to, you know, there are some people who will be uh, going to FIU as students. And some people have shown some interest about, you know, how they can kind of uh, help cover the team, you know, in different ways. So um, stay tuned when when I can, uh, you know, elaborate on that further. I will. But just wanted to say that because I've had a lot of people reach out and ask who's going to be replacing me. So um, no one in an official capacity from SB Nation. But in due time, we will talk about uh, potential replacements and what that may look like. So I just want to put that out there. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely looking forward. Obviously, not, like you just mentioned, not from SB Nation, but, you know, looking forward to see who is is stepping up. And uh, plot twist, it's me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am no, as you've been listening, I am no journalist. So, um, so yeah, so just wanted to kick off the episode with, with that update. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're obviously super happy for Eric and, uh, and we'll see where, where this podcast takes us. Um, so super excited to see where it goes. Um, but with that being said, Eric, um, let's let's talk a little bit about FIU before we start taking a trip down some memory lane and just sure. kind of just talking about maybe even some ice cats because obviously one of our teams is still alive. <clears throat> um, but Eric, I wanted to see, you know, maybe your final your final uh, – preview for for what this team may look like in the fall um maybe just a couple guys to look forward to i know we've been hit with a few transfer portal news within the past couple weeks but um you know where do you see fiu this season in terms of where do they stack up with the rest of conference usa and 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 do you think what basically just what 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 would you say would be your early predictions your way too early predictions for for where FIU can be this this fall yeah you asked me where FIU stacks up in relation to conference USA and here's the deal this is a reimagined conference USA right again mm-hmm. we can't talk about this enough i know we've been periodic uh you know it, it, we've been you know a little scattered in our episodes throughout the off season but for those who may not know uh, the teams that have replaced the six teams who left, you have Liberty, Sam Houston State, Jacksonville State, New Mexico State. Those are the four programs 
the FCS teams, Jacksonville State and Sam Houston, they're not eligible to compete for a conference title, right? So th- those are games that are on the schedule, but they will not be eligible for to compete for a CUSA title. Um, that's a BS NCAA rule. I think it's horrible, but that is the rule. Uh, so with that being said, where does FIU stack up? David, right now, there's no doubt in my mind that you have Western Kentucky at the top. They return Austin Reed, you know, the nation's leading passer from last year. And, you know, a ton of pieces that offense. Tyson Helton's one of my favorite head coaches in all of college football. He's a guy who manages to reinvent his roster every year. And I think it's good for wherever Vegas sets his line at wins. I think he's good for an additional win or two each year just based off of, you know, his abilities as a head coach. Then he got Liberty. Jamie Chadwell coming over from Coastal Carolina. Not the same Liberty team that, you know, had Malik Willis and, and you know, was uh, a 9-10 win team, but still a very talented roster. In my mind, those are the two teams at, at quote-unquote, you know, the head of the pack, right? Then you look at the rest of Conference USA. I think FIU, if all things fall right, is in that middle of the pack with potential to move up. You talked about losses, losing Demetrius Hill. That's a big loss. You know, you, you lose a freshman All-American. That's a, a big piece that I think I had talked about privately with some fans. I said, hey, you know, he's a guy that you hope you can hang on to for another year or two before inevitably the transfer portal gets him. And in this case, it got FIU and Demetrius Hill early, right? So you lose a really, uh, really key pivotal piece on the back end. And not in just with Demetrius, but the amount of starters overall, I, I haven't told up the number. You can tell I, I have, my brain is totally stopped. I've been on vacation mode for a while. I haven't told up the number of starters, but let's just do off the top of my head here. Tyrese Chambers gone. Um, EJ Wilson was not a starter, but a significant contributor gone. Flex Joseph with injury gone. Uh, Shamar Habdi Lee, Lindell Hudson gone. Julius Pierce gone. Uh, Gaithan Bernadelle gone. Demetrius Hill gone. Andrew Volmar gone. Uh, I think that should be off the top of my head, right? So I think that was eight or nine names I just listed. All valuable pieces that you're going to have to tell. Rivaldo Fairweather, we've got about him, gone. So those are all valuable pieces you're going to have to um, replace. Can FIU replace them? Yes. I'm, I'm not going to go through you know the list of names I think will replace all those guys. But at the end of the day, David, I say all that to say that there are a lot of unproven pieces. What will this season come down to in my mind? Three things. One, offensive line. Uh, I talked about it last time we did our episode from spring practice. Travis Burke and Phillip Houston, those look like they're going to be your your bookend uh, left tackle and right tackle, right? How are those guys going to fear? Up front at center, uh, we got to see, you know, who kind of fits in there, right? We've got Ming Tong. We've got Wyatt Lawson, who, you know, has had some time at center. He's also going to fear at guard as well. Um, Jamari Sylvester, that's another one who entered the transfer portal, right? He was a guy who would have been in the rotation, right? So I know FIU just picked up Cole Smith, a Juco kid. So how does that offensive line rotation fare? A lot of moving pieces. Got to see how, how they can protect the quarterback. Second thing is the quarterback. Is it Grayson James? I've been on the record as saying this, right? If Grayson James does indeed, if he has done enough to come out of spring and into fall as your QB1, in my mind, I think you need to prep Grayson James to be the starter if that is the case. Just because Grayson's been through three quarterback competitions with this staff alone, uh, you should know what you have at this point. Get him prepped for week one or week zero at Ruston or at Louisiana Tech in Ruston, right? If if Grayson uh, you know falters and doesn't have a strong start, then you can kind of explore the options. But I think if indeed he is, you know, and of course, Coach McIntyre will say, 
uh, that there's not a depth chart. But for all intents and purposes, you know, they kind of have an idea where they stand coming out of camp. If, if he's if no one's been done enough to unseat him, I think you got to roll with Q, with, with Grayson as QB one. But how does that position fare? And then, David, I am very optimistic about this defense. Now, yes, losing Demetrius Hill hurts. Uh, that's where you get a guy like Jojo Evans from Kent State, who was a um, a full-time star there last year. That helps, right? Even a, a Bobby Sala uh, coming in as well uh, to have some, you know, some guys uh, who can who can help out in the back end. That's gonna gonna help. But I'm really excited about the size with this defensive line. I talked with Coach Javon Dewitt, defensive coordinator Javon Dewitt, uh, the second to last practice I was at. And he really talked about, you know, getting guys like Jack Daly, Jeremy Passmore, Will Prendergast, Keegan Davis. Um, you know, the list goes on. Uh, Claude Larkins, et cetera. It, it, having those guys in terms of size up front, you can, it, David. I mean, you were out there. You saw the difference. They look like a real three-four defense. And now the the athleticism they have on the edge with, you know, Avery Huff and Sean P and, and some other guys who are going to rush. I think they'll look like a much more formidable three-four defense. So all the questions for me, to be honest, are really offensively. And that third piece is the receiver. Chris Mitchell has definitely st- uh, you know, stepped up, and he appears to be that wide receiver one. Keep an eye on Eric Rivers from Memphis. He's made a lot of plays. Another guy who we haven't talked about a lot, David, on this podcast, but just, you know, he is that all of the – and, and I, I, you know, hey, uh, I, I'm not covering FIU at this point, so I can be a little more liberal with my, my words. All of your white – wide receiver stereotypes, you know, probably <laughs> apply to this guy. But guess what? It, it's just a truth. He's a damn good receiver. He, every time you see him on the field, he's making plays. That's Ross Fournay. I mean, every time you, you see him there, he's not the biggest guy, about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, uh, buck 80, buck 85. But, I mean, just gutsy. I mean, David, you remember the hit he took at Bryant or against Bryant, right? You know, in the, the fourth quarter. You remember that hit I'm talking about? I do, and, it, and now it makes a bit more sense why Bill Belichick was at the spring game. Listen, Ross Forday is FIU's Wes Welker, FIU's Julian Edelman. He is FIU's Jay McIntyre uh, from his playing days at Colorado, right? No, um, all jokes aside, I mean, Ross, he's a guy who I just think is going to crack the lineup. He's, he just works really well out of the slot. I mean, every time you see him, in practice, he's met. He's making a grab on the sideline, you know, pushing up field for extra yards. So, definitely think he's going to be a factor. But um, those are the three question marks. So, to answer, you know, kind of round out the, the answer to this question, David, they're a middle of the pack team right now. I mean, I, I cannot say that FIU is better than the following teams: Middle Tennessee, UTEP. Um, you know, I I, I can't. You just, you just can't really say that that like those types of teams, even Jacksonville State with the Rich Rodriguez. I mean, they they have performed well at the FCS level. Sam Houston State just picked up Grant Gunnell, who was a, a transfer from North Texas. So in my mind, Dave, and I think I've said this to some people privately, the the biggest thing for me, even, you know, you look at Louisiana Tech as well. Right. I mean, I, can I say that FIU is better than Louisiana Tech? No, they have Hank Bachmeyer, the, the former quarterback from Boise State and picked up some other pieces. So in, in my mind, David. They're a middle-of-the-pack team, but the biggest thing right now is that they cannot look worse than the FCS teams coming in. That, to me, is just undoubted for, for, for this season. They cannot fall behind uh, those FCS teams. You know, Jacksonville State, Sam Houston State, um, those teams cannot come in and have better records than FIU. But all things considered right now, I think they're a middle-of-the-pack team, and if all things break for them and they are able to grow – um, you know, maybe that that top third of the league, but I, I still think that Western Kentucky, you know, is probably at, at the head of the pack right now. 
Yeah, Eric. Well, since you're not going to be here for the start of season predictions, um, I'll basically tell you what I'm seeing, and it's 12 and 0. I mean, Eric, this is here we go, baby. 12 and 0 season. Nearly had the prediction. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, as like, granted, I, I still think I, I, I agree. I think Western is the best team going in. Uh, I think that we can definitely compete with you know LaTeX uh, and even UTEP. But uh, I would rightfully put them probably above FIU right now. Um, but, yeah, I think we absolutely cannot let any of the new FCS teams come in and and, and jump us in, in the Conference USA standings. So, um, no, I totally agree with everything you just said, and, and that was a, a great, great rundown, one of your final rundowns of FIU football. So that was, that was great to hear. But um, before we kind of jump into some other things, I am going to toss it to uh, your conversation with Kevin, uh, Kevin Fielder, uh, you know, get some FAU talking here. I know we haven't yeah. been able to do uh, that in a little bit. So uh, going to go toss that over to you right now. Okay. So we have bantered on a little bit here. Of course, this episode is really going to be kind of us just shooting the breeze, David and I about the good times, you know, reminiscing about our favorite memories. But of course we did not want to, not provide some sort of FAU update. We know that we've been lacking of that as of late. And, um, you know, hey, if if this is indeed the last Shulable Pod, as it will be for the foreseeable future, but if it is indeed the last Shulable Pod, we would want to have one of our favorite Florida Atlantic contributors be on for the final time. He is Mr. Kevin Fielder. He's one of the brightest young minds in all of the sports space, to be honest with you, but especially the football space. Uh, Kevin, how's it going tonight? Uh, Eric, that might be the nicest thing you've ever said about me. And that's saying something given that you normally just criticize me for not wearing a suit in a press box. But uh, other than that, you know, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, spring camp's over with, and now we get to the point in the summer where it's just the transfer portal and then the transfer portal and then the transfer portal. So (laughs) it's not the most exciting, like stretch of like uh, two months. Like I can't defend it and be like, this is the most exciting. I the transfer portal sort of gets annoying at this point, but you know it is still important. So it is the transfer portal. Kevin, I'm six weeks away from turning 32, and I think in my old age, I am just getting soft, and that's why I've become much nicer to you. And the Gross. fact that I've had a chance to watch you grow as a writer over the past few years, and you're, you're nearing graduation, so I figured I'd take it easy on you. But uh, as I said, Kevin's one of the, the, the brightest young minds in, in the sports space, of course. You can find his work, Owls247, uh, Underdog Dynasty, of course, and uh, at the Vikings Wire, which has been really uh, nice to kind of see him. Uh, evolve in that route but we is here for FAU Kevin um let's have a little fun here before we jump into into spring ball I mean just you know it's been a while now it's been you know about a month and a half but just what was your favorite part of um getting a chance to travel you know for as long as you did uh through the Owls final four run oh man uh the most fun I had was New York because you hear all this stuff about Madison Square Garden and everyone says, oh my God, Madison Square Garden is the Mecca and it's the coolest place ever. You don't notice that till you actually go. It, it is, I will say this until probably the day I die, the best basketball stadium in the world. It might be the best best indoor arena in the world because it is it is a museum. It is a a place of worship to those people. Like it is 
it is a different beast in Madison Square Garden. And the way that this place sounds, I mean, it was incredible. Then FAU obviously winning both their games there. Like it was that experience alone is like one of those experiences that you tell the grandkids and, and the kids one day. And obviously the final four didn't go the way FAU wanted to. And, you know, on, on the bank of one shot, but like the f- sweet 16, the elite eight run, I think makes it all worth it because it was in such a cool stadium. I mean, that, that stadium was absolutely incredible and I could probably go on about it for six hours. If you let me. That's actually an interesting segue. Cause I was not going to bring this up until the end, but since you brought it up here, it, it provides a natural segue. Kevin, you were born in 2001, correct? 2000. I'm not that young. <laughs> <laughs> 2000 2001 this is laps that last episode it's all the same shit kevin all right like shut late up. Late, um, late 2000 so it, it pretty much is 2001 <laughs> but um so the reason i mentioned that okay so you were born in 2000 which means you were born the year of the last time the heat and knicks played in the playoffs uh, i have a question for you coming but uh forgive me this um uh, allow me this indulgence so uh, I went as a kid because uh, anyone who has listened to this podcast, I believe, knows that I, I am the product of uh, Jamaican immigrants who went to New York uh, before settling in Florida. And the majority of them are Nick fans. I, I went to Madison Square Garden in 1998 as a seven-year-old uh, for a Heat-Knicks game. And I remember not really being old enough to really like gather what was going on, but everyone talking about how historic the garden was. It was the Mecca. And then I remembered, you know, as a seven-year-old, I was like, oh, it seemed a little dingy. And then I went back a few years later, I was old enough to actually remember it before the remodel, Kevin. So the, the version you've been to has been remodeled. Uh, the garden was a dump <laughs> until, until you feel the atmosphere. And I, that is, to your point, Kevin, is I think what makes it the Mecca. Now, uh, the two-part question. One, how did the inside of the actual arena feel? Because I remember it just being a complete dump. So, like, is it... Is it up to to par with modern uh, arena standards in, in the twenty you know twenty twenty three landscape? I I think it was. I mean, again, I didn't get a chance to like canvas the entire arena because I did unfortunately still have to work. But sure. the the walking that I did do around because I, I did make sure to walk around the concourses and sort of see the, the the way that it's set up. Like it is set up like a modern day arena. It's probably a little more open than most modern day arenas is, but like it's set up. As I think as well as it can be to be a modern day arena. And it didn't look dirty. It didn't look dingy. Like it looked well kept and it looked like a a, a modern day basketball arena would look like. I mean, was it probably the most state of the art? No, probably not. But like for what it was and for as long as it's been there, like I think it sort of does the job in the sense of like you don't go there and you're like, oh, this sucks and this is dingy and this looks dirty. Like I, I didn't get that sense at all. And the second part of that uh, question was the fun part. Are, are you ready for your first real experience of Heat Knicks? Oh my God, I am so ready. I, I am. I I almost wish I was back at like Madison and in New York for that because I I think again like I didn't get to watch it happen as it was happening, and I I've only seen video clips. But like, yeah, I mean that's a modern day sports rivalry in every single sense of the word, and so I I think it should be fun because now both teams are sort of in the unlikely position of like both being in this part of the playoffs and not like just being another regular season game. Kevin, give me two things from FAU spring that you think fancy to know. The quarterback position is incomplete. I I thought Daniel Richardson looked good in the spring game and I thought Ben Ballard looked okay in the spring game. Uh, Ben Ballard, the 
the University of Texas walk-on and, and Daniel Richardson, the transfer from Central Michigan. I thought they showed impressive things, but to sit here and for me to tell anyone who's listening to this that the, the quarterback position is complete and they feel comfortable with where they are, they, they don't. Uh, you know, you have three scholarship quarterbacks, Michael or four now. Uh, Michael Johnson Jr. didn't get to participate in spring ball. Uh, Luke Rucker, the true freshman, isn't going to hit campus until the fall. Daniel Richardson had his moments, but I mean, he's a guy who needs probably competition. And Tyreek Sparks is another one of these Juco transfers. And like, I I think he has some talent, but I I can't sit here and tell people that the quarterback position is complete and that they they're set. They need to find another guy. They need to have an actual competition. And I think that that's sort of the biggest thing holding me back from sitting here and being on this podcast and going, this is a 10 win team. This is a, a team that can compete in the American next year because they may have one of the worst quarterback situations in the American. Now that can be involved or that can be improved with the transfer portal. But as of today, with the way the current American landscape looks at quarterback and you have UTSA and Tulane and these good teams that have set quarterbacks, uh, even like Tulsa and USF who have set quarterbacks. So it's incomplete there. And then I think the second part is, that defense can be really good if they figure out their personnel groupings. I think the defensive line is set. Uh, it's it's led by Evan Anderson, Latrell Green. I think the secondary is probably set. The biggest question mark is these linebackers. And uh, I mean, you have Jalen Wester, who had a really good game against FIU in last year's Shula Bowl. You have Eddie Williams, who is impressed, but you need another inside linebacker too. And that position needs to get figured out before I can sit here and say this defense can improve based off what they were last year with with, with Rock Bellantoni as their defensive coordinator. And so it, it feels like this entire team is, and I think Tom Herman mentioned this after the spring game, it's sort of the perfect explanation is this team's a work in progress. Every day it feels like they're getting a little bit better, but it's still a work in progress. And, you know, there needs to be not as much a rebuild, but a retool in terms of figuring out where everything can, where, where the pieces are, figuring out what those pieces are, and then putting them together. Uh, but I, I think there is reason to be excited, but there is also very logical reason to be concerned. Kevin, what position group do you feel strongest about? Oh, God. Running back. I mean, Larry McCammon had 1,000 yards last year. So Barry Mobley was impressive in the, the complimentary role that he played last year. You add Kobe Lewis, who was a starter at Central Michigan. That room is three, four deep. And it's it's hard to get a running back room that's as deep as as that one is. And they have two, two true freshmen in Jamari Sands and Xavier Terrell, both from St. Thomas Aquinas, who are impressive players. And, you know, I, I've been able to see both them play in, in different situations. And they're impressive players who could definitely contribute as freshmen. Uh, I, and I also think that it's the defensive line group. Uh, Evan Anderson is... Every time I, I look at him, I'm a little bit more shocked that he is as big as he is because... He does not play like he's 340 pounds or whatever he weighs now. But like the defensive line, the running back room is going to be the two groups that I feel most comfortable with on April 28th at at about 6 p.m. Kevin, how big was the addition of uh, Corey Bell from Florida International as far as getting a uh, another South Florida recruiter? I think that's huge because this entire offseason and the entire Tom Herman tenure has been defined from by his ability to or by his commitment to recruiting South Florida and recruiting kids from the area making sure that they stay home or stay close to home. And so the easiest way to be able to recruit in South Florida 
is to get guys who know how to recruit in South Florida because South Florida is the most unique recruiting grounds in the country because everyone and their mother and their grandmother and their son and their daughter is recruiting in South Florida. Everyone is from the FCS level to group of five level to low power five to high power five. So the best way to separate yourself is getting people who have relationships in the area. Corey Bell is the perfect example of that because he's been doing it for so long down here. And to pull him away from, from FIU is huge because I think that it not only takes another recruiter out of a team that you're going to be competing with inevitably for recruits. And now FIU did a great job getting Demarcus Van Dyke, who I think is one of the best recruiters in the country, but to get Corey Bell from there and be able to have a guy who knows how to recruit South Florida does a really good job of developing defensive backs. I mean, I think it's just, I, I don't want to say it's the perfect hire, but it is a really good hire for what they're trying to do. If you just joined us, we are being joined by Kevin Fielder. He is a internet writer, self-proclaimed for Owls 247, Underdog Dynasty, and of course, doing really great work for the Vikings Wire on Twitter. Kevin, I do not want to spoil any future news that you may have as far as your career prospects. However, I do want to ask you this as someone who is now going to, or, or is soon, because I believe that FAE's graduation is in May, uh, soon to be a graduate of Florida Atlantic University. Kevin, what is your favorite memory covering the Owls? Uh, football-wise, of course. I, I figure basketball, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's basketball sort of solves that itself. But <laughs> football-wise is, man, the last two years weren't great. I'll, I'll be honest, the last two years were not great. Uh, five and seven both seasons, you win 10 games combined. Like, I, I can't sit here and say it's great. And then the COVID season sort of just like, it's the COVID season. And I think Eric, you'll probably agree with me. That season sucked. Like, that, that season sucked trying to cover because it was... Uh, just mared with on uh, with uncertainty. I think my favorite time covering them was the season before that, the 2019, I believe, season. It was Lane Kiffin's final year, and they had won the Conference USA Championship. They had won the Boca Bowl. Like that season, sort of defined, I think, what FAU can be as a football school, and in terms of a football program, like that was top to bottom the most fun. I've ever had because it felt like I felt like every single game was a a different scenario and it was another guy stepping up and it was another big moment and you had NFL players on that team and so that season definitely takes the cake but as bad as the last two and two and a half seasons were in terms of performance on the field like it's still sort of fun to cover them because they were still competitive it was it the same competitiveness that you would love in terms of like being eight and four and making bowl games. No, but like to not to, to say it wasn't competitive would be lying. So those moments had, or those seasons had their moments, but it was definitely 2019 with Lane Kiffin, who is the most confusing cover in college football, because you never know what he's truly trying to say uh, until he just says it straight to your face. But that season takes the cake in terms of just everything. Uh, top to bottom was probably the most fun I've ever had covering football. My final question for you, Kevin, and I gave you a glowing introduction talking about how versatile <laughs> you are and one of the, the, the smartest uh, minds out there, young minds in, in, in the sports space. So I'm going to give you a chance to show that off here. Kevin, 
what is one thing that you would want the average football fan, your average Joe or Jane that, you know, just consumes the games on Sundays and roots for their favorite team or Saturdays, of course, in college space, roots for their favorite team, but doesn't really go in depth in terms of football. I'm going to ask you to make that person smarter. What is one thing about the game of football in terms of the way it is played that you would want them to know? That football is ever changing. And to sit here and tell you that, The offenses that we run nowadays is the same offense that we ran two years ago, but be completely different. And I I wrote a piece for Underdog Dynasty about the air raid offense in particular. Everyone thinks the air raid offense has stayed the same and that every team runs the Mike Leach, rest his soul, one of the best coaches in college football. Everyone runs the same Mike Leach offense in terms of, you know, it's going to, we're going to spread you out. We're going to beat you horizontally and vertically. We're going to throw the ball all game and you're going to have to stop us. That's not the case. You look at teams like Oklahoma. Uh, under Lincoln Riley. And I don't know why I said Oklahoma when he now coaches for USC. That's how (laughs) tired I am, I think. But like USC under Lincoln Riley, you look at Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin, you look at Western Kentucky under Tyson Hilton and the now like four defense offense coordinators that they've had in the last two years. But the air raid offense has changed so much and teams are now more willing to run the football and it's air raid adjacent is I think the best way to explain it in terms of like teams are running the air raid and they're running it in the NFL as well. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury ran the air raid at or the air raid adjacent with the Arizona Cardinals and teams are stealing the same concepts because they work. But the biggest thing is when you watch football on Saturday and Sundays to understand that it's changing and it's copied. What you see on Saturdays will inevitably move to Sunday. What you see on Sundays will inevitably move down to Saturday. Uh, and so it's sort of this fun little game of cat and mouse in terms of figuring out what is going to change and what's going to remain the same because some things remain the same. You win football by running the football. You win football by not allowing the same amount of points and getting aggressive when you need to get aggressive. But football is the most fun game in terms of ever-changing aspects because there's so many different schemes you can run. Like basketball, there's only so much you can do. Uh, baseball, you can't do much in terms of scheme because it's one one against one for most of the time. But like football is – it is truly 11 on 11. It's truly a math problem of terms of trying to get mismatches and – you know, trying to attack what mismatches you can get in the field. And so every coach who tells you it's a, it's a math problem, it is a giant math problem and you need to figure out a way to make that math problem work in your advantage. So the best, like, so the best coaches are ones who are able to take advantage of that math problem. And so I I think that if you like people just sat down and I'm not going to sit here and say like, Oh, you need to watch 3000 hours of coaching clinics to understand football. You don't, you don't. And the people who, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here, but the people who say like, oh, you need to be able to play football to understand football. You don't, you don't. Now, are there things that playing football probably helps understand? Yes, but I have never played a down to tackle football in my life. I had never put on helmets and pads and like football is what the one unique game, in the sense that like the things that are public are things that can help you. And it, it is so much fun watching the, the cat and mouse game of one guy attack another guy, the offense coordinator attack the defensive coordinator in terms of scheme. And it it's so much fun to watch from a, a nuke or a, a micro microscopic sense and then a macro sense as well. So uh, to, to make the very long answers short, because I am very good at making very long answers out of very simple questions, but to make a long answer short, football's changing and it's a giant math problem and just embrace that. It's one of those. And, try and figure out what a team is doing to make that math problem work in their, in their favor. Folks, we went from Madison square garden (laughs) 
to Florida Atlantic to the air raid. And by the way, that piece that Kevin wrote for Underdog Dynasty, where he interviewed Western Kentucky head coach Tyson Helton, cannot recommend it enough. That is indicative of the range. You can find him on Twitter at the Kevin Fielder. Come for the sport takes. Sports takes. Stay for the food takes. Uh, I have again. a lot of them. <laughs> you will be smarter for it. Kevin cannot thank you enough for all your appearances on this podcast. And, you know, if this is the last one, I will say thank you. Uh, if it is not the last one, then uh, thank you until uh, David and company figure out what they want to do with this thing going forward. <laughs> Absolutely, Eric, man. Anytime. It was uh, it was certainly a blast covering the, the two forgotten South Florida programs for as long as I think we both have together. <laughs> no doubt about it. Appreciate it, buddy. Absolutely. All right. Um, so, yeah, you just heard Eric and Kevin's conversation talking FAU and a bunch of other things. So, um, you know, hope you guys enjoyed that. And, yeah, I kind of want to make this rest of the episode just kind of talking about some of our good memories, Eric. I know we've talked about That's a cool. lot of them on, on, you know, just throughout the history of this podcast. Obviously, everyone knows the the Tulane story and, 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 all, and all that fun stuff. But I kind of wanted to talk and, and see – you know, what would you say, you know, outside, maybe, maybe not even this podcast, what would you say is that defining moment for you covering FI, FIU in general um, or, you know, any, within any of these five years and all the things that you got to do in Miami, uh, what, what would be some of your top memories? Well, maybe we'll start with, with football and maybe – and then second part of that would be any of your top Miami memories since you basically – this is your second home for like five and a half years. David – this may surprise you, but I hope it doesn't. I, I don't think I've really had a chance. Actually, no, I, I talked about it with you at dinner um, with your pops. Uh, I'll burn to the audience. The defining memory for me, just in terms of just like sheer fun, November 24th, 2019, or was it tw- November 23rd? I cannot remember if it was the 23rd or 24th of 2019. Marlins Park, now what, Lone Depot Park? Oh, yeah. Know. Um, the reason that one was, was, you know, really enjoyable is again, obviously as a, as a journalist, as a writer, I don't have a rooting interest, right. But just everything that led up to that game. By the way, everybody, he, he, he was winking behind the camera. He's an FIU fan. Don't forget. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. No, um, everything that led up to that game in terms of the way that season went, David, I've said this to you many times. I've said it on here. Again, while I don't have a rooting interest, it's a hell of a lot more fun covering a winning team than it is a losing team. You know, players want to talk, coaches want to talk when when teams win. When teams lose, no one wants to talk. Uh, there are still stories to be told, but no one's really eager to talk. So with the the disappointment of the 2019 season, especially if you remember, uh, David, you know, the the loss uh, previous week to Florida Atlantic, um, it, 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 it was it just was not a great feeling um entering that marlins park game and just on a personal level you know i was the only person there covering fiu you know i think david drucker was there just in in a regular capacity but i was the only one there covering fiu and i'm there with you know the barry jacksons and greg cody's and susan miller degnans and you know all, all all of those um you know household names in south florida who cover the hurricanes and it, I'm, I'm not going to lie, like it was pretty cool to be the only person there covering FIU. And then once FIU took control of that game, I mean, I'm not saying people were looking to me for like information, but I was <laughs> the only person there who knew a damn thing about FIU, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so 
so that that was a source of pride. Uh, I've, I'm pretty sure I've told the story on the podcast, but you know, just the feeling of hustling down to the to the locker rooms or to the to the post game presser, and I was again the only one who knew the, the winning team, right? I mean, when you get there in in, in the post game and people are asking questions, and again with those names, I mean, Manny Navarro, Manny Navarro, you know, huge fan of as well. Um, all those guys are there, and you know, the only real face that the FIU guys know are me. You know, Butch, Jamo, Borgales, uh, Sage. Those were those were the guys who Anthony Jones. Those were the guys who were, were brought to, to to the press conference. So to be that that familiar face and to be able to ask questions in that environment was was really um uh, a, a great moment. Um, yeah, and I mean, just Miami moments. Ben, dude, I always had a great time. Uh, f- for the most part, I spent the majority of my time when I was. When I was uh, covering the team, I was in Doral, you know, so I was going to Doral City Place, like Tap 42, you know, just hanging out, always good times. I, I will say, though, David, the memories that I cherish the most. Um, first off, I want to clear up a couple things. One, because even your dad didn't know this. Uh, I was not on the team charter. So for anyone who wants to know how I got <laughs> to road games, that was, that was a lot of spirit, a lot of frontier flights um, that were funded from the SB Nation account. And in Last year's cases, I can say this now, now that I'm not an employee of SB Nation, out of my own bank account <laughs> to get to El Paso twice. Um, so, That's yeah. why you're the best of the best, Eric. That is why you're the best of the best. <laughs> those, Eric, had, that was part of the, out of the Eric Henry bank account to get to those places. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, David, it, like you, you want to know when you love your job, when you take a same-day flight from Tampa to El Paso – and then you got to drive, you, you land in El Paso, uh, you, you get a quick bite to eat, and then you got to pick up the rental and you drive from El Paso into New Mexico. And that paid off with the win. So, you know, that was a fun memory as well. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I, I was going to say, David, taking it back to the throwback days, I don't think it, I, I've talked about this publicly. That first year that I was covering FIU, no one, I, I wasn't getting a ton of funding. You know, I just was getting funding. Um, they gave me funding for gas. Right. And they were like, hey, you're based out of Tampa. Go drive down, and cover the games. <laughs> and and I remember when FIU didn't even like respond to me, the old, the old, old pre the 2017 um, athletic staff, uh, they didn't respond to an email, you know, just trying to us trying to get credentials. So I drove all the way to Miami just to go knock on the door of the communications office to get no one to have to turn around and drive back. David, that entire first year, you may not know this. I was driving down the same day to cover games. I would, you know, those seven o'clock kickoffs, game would end around, you know, 1030-ish, 11, be done by midnight-ish. And I was driving back home the same night. So I wasn't even staying in South Florida. Like that entire first year, I was driving down and driving back home. I'd get home about 5 a.m., you know. Um, so like those are the memories now that I think given, you know, where where the career has taken me that I, I kind of look back on and cherish. But no, nah, man, a lot of, lot of fun times in Miami, dude, no doubt. Did, did you know what I just realized? Did you ever go to Flanagan's while you were here? I did. I did. Oh. Um, I went to Flanagan's the 20. Okay. 20, 20 I'm just making off. sure. I'm just making yeah. sure that's a that, that if you spent this entire time covering FIU and you didn't hit Flanagan's once, Eric, I was going to tell you to drive down back down this weekend because <laughs> that is a necessity. Absolutely went to Flannies. So I, I have, I've had the, the rib rolls. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, no, some, some, I mean, first off, what's, what's funny. I know Shane, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give Shane a little slack here because 
Mr. Big Time, FAU. Uh, Director uh, of, of high school relations. There you go. Um, he, th- he thinks he's too big time for me now. I've been trying to get him on, on the podcast and even to record a little, a little thing because I, I already know he would say something about how Tampa sucks, and that's exactly what I needed. Um, <laughs> but one of, one of my favorite memories to start, uh, first off, when, how we, this podcast was even created, I know we've told this story, but just in case you're listening, you know, not for the first time, but uh, in a while, uh, this podcast was created in a Flanagan's. Um, it was, first off, it was kind of created on Twitter. And then me and Shane had never met. And we met up at the Flanagan's up in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and uh, that's essentially where we got the idea uh, and, and kind of put this thing together. So Flanagan's was a very special place in our hearts. Um, and every time, I remember one time Shane came down for something. I forgot what it was. It wasn't, it wasn't a shula bowl. And, uh, and he's like, oh, let's go grab lunch. And boom, we hit Flannies. So shout out to Flanagan's. One day you're going to sponsor this podcast. I know it. Oh, and, and how can I forget about the time that I was I went up to Flanagan's, uh, the one right outside of the, the Panthers game. We're actually going up to the Panthers game. And we obviously made a pit stop at that Flannies. I'm there with my cousin and, and our boys, and we're just kind of talking about the game and, and taking guesses of who, who we think we're, is going to score. And all of a sudden, some random voice. This guy's been, I think, sitting next to me for a little bit now. We had no idea. And I hear a voice. I think Sam Bennett's going to score tonight. And I turn to my left. And it's literally Shane, and we hadn't seen each other for a little bit since uh, since that moment, and it was it was just hilarious that, of course, that uh, if I was going to run into him somewhere, it was going to be the Flanagans before entering a Panthers game. So there's that. But uh, I do want to take some also talk about some some of our favorite, uh, my favorite memories personally. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously, obviously the UM game is is obviously number one, but. Um, Tulane, man, that, that I know we've spoken about it, so I won't talk too much about it. Tulane was where I first met Eric. Uh, and that was, uh, a story in itself and, and, and a hell of a time. And it's, it's funny. Cause I, you know, I, I was co- kind of going through, uh, some of the old videos of the Shula podcast. And I remember doing the, that live stream, um, and they're still up there and, and, and they're just still s- such a funny token uh this podcast of how far we've come um to to having a few uh too many drinks and live streaming from uh, a heartbreaking loss so that's definitely one of them and just all the times that i I've, you've basically snuck me into the press box uh just to talk at halftime are, are some good some good memories of mine especially that last game last year um because i i don't get invited there because once again i am not a journalist um and the one time i was not really invited. I stumbled into a post game presser. Was that Tulane game? Um, oh, okay. yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> we, we we talked about the Tulane game, but I don't think we ever talked about you getting to the presser on this pod. I I don't think we have. No. All right. I'm I'm going to tell a very quick version of that. So the configuration of uh, the the locker rooms at Tulane, the visiting locker rooms are just like outside a little. I mean, it, it's. It's just like outside, like a little shed. The locker rooms aren't a shed, but it is like outside a little area, right? It's it's not the most, you know, it, it ain't Hard Rock Stadium. So myself, Dave Drucker are there and we're waiting for a Butch Davis. And again, it's just an area that, you know, fans and anyone can kind of walk through um, as you're making way out of the stadium. And all of a sudden, again, I just met David for the first time, maybe 45, 50 minutes prior down there on the field. And David just pops up. And he's like, hey, I'm here. 
And <laughs> sorry about that. Excuse me. Um, David just pops and is like, yo, I'm, I'm here. And, and, you know, David, I'm, I, actually, I don't think, I, I'm pretty sure I went to just tell you guys, yo, you guys want to go to this bar after we're going? Uh, it was me, Andre, uh, Julie, and uh, her cousin, Louis. And we're like, I, I literally just saw you guys, like, hey, you guys want to go to this bar? And I, it happened to be the post game presser. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure that was it. And the, the problem, like I said, the thing about it is, you know, you just were there. And, and as you talked about, you were you were, uh, uh, you know, it, you you'd indulged in a few had, adult beverages. I had a few beers. I had a few beers. So you, you just you just were there. And Butch Davis, is, you know, comes out, does the presser. And you're just there. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably like what I, I can't even imagine what his style was. He, he just lost. Uh, it was a Thursday night game. Uh, pretty sure it was on CBS Sports, and there is me just standing there, um, probably smelling like beer, and just just listen to. I didn't. Everyone had their phones out, and I was just I was just there listening, just vibing. It was it was. He was probably like, "Dude, are you kidding me?" <laughs> I, I I'm I'm totally imagining in that moment. Butch is like, "Yeah, I have done national championship press conferences as a coordinator, <laughs> Super Bowl press conferences as a coordinator." you know, Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl press conferences. And I'm just here with, you know, Eric and these two guys. <laughs> That's what I imagine were, were his thoughts. Uh, David, uh, you know what? We got, a, I think we got a lot of pictures. We need to attach pictures of um, our time in, in New Orleans, you know, like somehow to this pod. Um, our time, like we just got to attach a bunch of just pictures of us. I'll put, him, I'll like, put it in tweets. I'll, I'll put a couple pictures. I, I know, I, I, you know, it's you know, it's one of my favorite memories, Eric, that just popped up. up right because you were saying that, and, and you're gonna hate this, but it was when me, you, and Shane went to the the, the Panthers Lightning, right? Game, yeah, and we blew you out. I'm gonna definitely post that picture too. <laughs> and we got that one. We've got like I've got some pictures I can send you from another one of my favorite memories, which was the Camellia Bowl. Again, obviously not the result that FIU fans wanted. But and David was not there in Alabama that week. But I was going to say I don't know what memory you're about to talk to. I was able to go well, that for, one. for those of us who were there for the three days, right? I mean, listen, I'll I'll tell this story now that you know. Again, I'm done. Um, <laughs> I've never eaten that much Waffle House in my life because that was really the main <laughs> place that was there in in you know Montgomery. Um, there's some some other other stops, but I, I where I was at, like the rest of the team was at a hotel downtown. I was in a courtyard about 15 minutes outside of downtown, which again, if you've ever been to uh, Montgomery, Alabama, 15 minutes outside of downtown means like you just like on the off skirts out somewhere and outskirts somewhere. And Chia Panther does not remember this. Chia does not remember this, but myself, Chia, Danny Dennis, uh, if I'm forgetting anyone, forgive me. We went out the night before the game to grab a couple drinks. I think, Oh, um, Dave Drucker came out with us too. And you know, we're all having a good time. And Chia, I don't want to say he blocked me, but there was an Arkansas State fan who I swear to you looked like Gabrielle Union. And I was talking to her, David, and we was having a fine conversation. You know, I'm doing my thing. I'm not, so I wasn't associated with FIU. You know, I didn't have no FIU colors on. I had a UCF jacket on. And then Chia came out yapping about some nonsense and then she was like, oh, you at FIU? I'm like, nah, I'm not with them, man. I'm just, I'm just here. I'm just a journalist, whatnot. And then she looks at my jacket and she's like, oh, UCF? Oh, yeah, we beat y'all in the bowl game last year. And then walks <laughs> off. And I'm like, damn, Chia. Like, I, I had something working here. And then Chia just came out of nowhere and it blew that all up. 
So there was no, shout that. Out Chia, shout out Chia, who, who uh, actually didn't listen to this podcast for so long because he hates the name Shula Bowl. Uh, so, yeah, I don't even know if she'll, this will get to him. Exactly. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, and then, yeah, man, I remember trying to drive back. Dude, I ended up the, the, wrong, the wrong way down a one-way road because, you know, the road in Montgomery at night, there's no lights. It's just damn near dirt roads. It, it, was, it was a fun it was a fun trip. I mean, again, that was – you want to talk about dedication. The two trips that I've driven for for FIU, I drove uh, to Montgomery, which is about eight hours, and the final game of the Bush Davis era, I drove from Tampa to Hattiesburg. So fun times. So, so many, so many good memories, man. It's, it was a hell of a ride, my friend. It was a hell of a ride. Um, and I know we can probably talk talk for a lot longer. Uh, I don't even know how long we've been going here, but, um, Eric, I want to say thank you. Um, obviously we are, you know, I say we, cause I know all, all the FIU fans are, are, are going to keep following you through your journey. Um, and, and, you know, keep following what you do best. So, I just want to say thank you for our time at FIU and, and, you know, thank you for being an awesome part of this podcast. You know, this podcast isn't what it is without you. It isn't, it isn't what it is without Shane. It isn't what it is without your boy. Um, but yeah, man, it, it, this has been uh, an absolute, an absolute blast. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, we'll keep you updated with, with what happens going forward, but uh, I'm very very appreciative of you know everyone who's listened and, and very happy of what this podcast has become and 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 how we've grown really uh from i remember you know if you listen back to, to some of the first episodes it's it's really funny to see how far you know we've come um so um not to get too sentimental on everybody here but um yeah eric i, I don't know if you have anything else you want to say but um it, it, it might be a wrap on this last ride no, man. Like I said in the beginning, just want to say thank you to everyone who listened. Thank you to everyone who followed the coverage. It was good. And it was a, it was a pleasure really to cover FIU over these past five years. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I hope you guys follow me in my new journey. For those who have asked, it is not the University of Miami. It is not uh, Florida Atlantic. So, you know, it, it won't Hell be no. too, Hell it, won't no. be, it, it won't be too much of a, you know, bad taste in your mouth to continue to follow me. Uh, thanks to all the players, you know, who made time to talk and uh, those great relationships uh throughout the years and yeah man like i said i will be following fiu from afar so I'm, I'm actually hoping david to get out to the sam houston state game because you know again i'll i'll elaborate more on when the time uh, allows for me to talk talk specifically about where i'm going and what i'm doing but that game shouldn't be too far away from where i may be so i'm hoping to get out there and, and support the guys and whatnot and um uh also the pause up tour i think that's going on uh, as we're taping this so you know they're doing a spot it's been huge i was at the one in miami uh great turnout uh if you're ever if you're in the fort lauderdale area or in orlando i think it's i think the orlando one's coming up i think by the time this episode drops it'll it'll be that weekend um yeah yeah, it's this weekend so um i'm hoping to 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 potentially get out there to that one so again um that's what i've gotten and it's been a pleasure and i hope this podcast can continue in some form because you know these are two programs who uh have dedicated fan bases and and really uh deserve the coverage awesome awesome so with that i will wrap this one up i am not used to wrapping up the episodes um but like i mentioned can please continue to follow eric um you can follow him on twitter at eric c henry i don't know if there's an underscore at the end eric correct me <laughs> correct <laughs> <laughs> clearly david has listened to none 
of the clothes we've done. I, I, I'm, I'm zoned out by the, fina- by the finales. So I, I will do the clothes here. Uh, you can follow your final me on clothes, Twitter. Eric. Give your final clothes. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. You can find David on Twitter at Mr. Handel 321. Find the podcast on Twitter at Shula Bull Pod. Last but not least, the fine folks at Five Reasons Sports. Shout out to Ethan Skolnick uh, at the number five Reasons Sports. Your home for South Florida sports news.